open your Bibles tonight to the book of Proverbs. We've started a new sermon series entitled Get Smart, and uh, the book of Proverbs is our source book for this whole sermon series. Proverbs is a great, great book of the Bible. Most of it written by King Solomon, we're told, but not all of it. Uh, You'll see parts of the book of Proverbs as you read through where other authors are named and listed, and that is always interesting and exciting. Uh, As you uh, follow along as I preach out of the New Living Translation reading Proverbs, sometimes you may find that more than any other part of Scripture, uh, your translation can be very, very different in Proverbs. I don't want you to get frustrated by that. If you've ever taken a foreign language in school, you know that when you're translating, say, Spanish to English, you always look at context. There are words that can have meanings in several different areas, and you look at the context to figure out which word or how you're supposed to translate this particular phrase. As I said this morning, Proverbs is just a sort of a string of wise sayings, and there's not a lot of context. One verse doesn't necessarily inform the next verse. And so for that reason, sometimes translators really have to make decisions. They really have to pray and try to decide what the proverb is supposed to be saying or trying to say, and they don't always come out in the same place. So your translation sometimes might say something a little bit different from what the New Living Translation says. But if you compare translations across the board, you can usually get a pretty good sense of what the Word of God is saying to us. We define wisdom this morning as what? Wisdom is the God-given ability to... To make good decisions. Yeah, there are lots of ways to, to, to define wisdom, but that's the way we're going to define it for this sermon series. It's the God-given ability. What do I mean by that? God-given ability. He is the only one who gives wisdom. Wisdom does not come from any other source. If there is wisdom, it comes from God. If you're ever going to have wisdom, it's going to be that God gives you that ability, that ability to have good judgment, to make wise choices. This morning I talked about the importance of consequences, how choices, our decisions always have consequences. I made the statement with power and vigor. I said you can make your choices, but you cannot choose your consequences. Is that true? Is that always true? I can make my choices, but do I get to choose my consequences? Is that true? What do you mean, Jack? Help us. Yeah. Once you've run off the cliff, you no longer have a choice about the consequences. Yeah, exactly right. Once you've made the choice, you cannot choose your consequences. But as Jack points out, on the front end, in the decision-making process, it's very important to try to anticipate what the consequences are. And this is exactly how the book of Proverbs works. Proverb after proverb tries to help you connect a choice with its consequence. The idea being, if on the front end, you'll use the wisdom God gives you to anticipate consequences, then you can choose very, very well. Which brings us tonight to one of the primary skills of God's wisdom, and that is what I would just call thinking ahead or or planning. How many of you are planners, baby? You You are a planner. Raise your hands high. Yeah, I know you didn't plan to do that, but go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, How many of you are probably some sort of planning freak of nature? Uh, ask, how many of you are probably married to a planning freak of nature? Maybe that's easier. Yeah, yeah, some of you. Yeah, wow. I am probably a, more of a planner now than I ever, ever have been. When I started out as a young man, especially as a kid, I was not one to think ahead. I flew by the seat of my pants, always. And even in my earliest days of ministry, most of you remember, some of you would still say perhaps today, I just don't plan well. I fly by the seat of my pants. And honestly, for a time in my life, I did okay with that. 
So how is it that planning would be so important? If honestly, I, I got pretty far not doing much planning at all. I didn't think ahead at all. How did I survive? God is good. What'd you say, Rhodes? Right on. Rhodes says my wife, Casey. And before Casey, who was it? My parents, yeah. My parents are think-ahead people. My parents are, are very together. When we opened the refrigerator at our house, there was always food in it. Where did the food come from? The food fairy? No. My parents worked. My parents uh, earned money. My parents went to the grocery. My mom planned meals. I opened the door. There's food there. But as a kid, I didn't always understand that. I didn't always connect the, the dots between choices and consequences, between work and the benefits of work. I really didn't understand the importance of thinking ahead. And I lived for some time basically... From the benefit of other people's planning and thinking ahead. I, I lived from the benefit of my parents who worked hard and provided for me and, and for my sister. And it took a while for me to understand what they had done for me and how it wasn't going to last forever. And even in my early married days, when I did, honestly, I, I married a, a brilliant woman who thinks ahead, plans ahead. Casey's always, right this minute, she's thinking ahead. She's two days ahead of the rest of us, I promise. That, that's my wife. And it's wonderful. I benefited from that. I benefited from the way other people had wisdom and planned ahead. But what would have happened if I just intended to live my whole life that way? Where would I be today? Probably alone and hungry and rather desperate. Honestly, I have friends I went to college with, and in college we were all kind of the same. We just kind of went by the seat of our pants. We just kind of scooted through life. We didn't think ahead. We didn't plan ahead. We didn't apply ourselves to studies very hard. And, and there are some friends of mine from college who never, ever learned. They never advanced. They never grew up. And while when we were 20, 19, 20 years old, it seemed a lot of fun to live that way, now these people are 45 years old. And it's not fun anymore. It, it is not in any way exciting to be homeless. And, and one of my college friends is, is homeless today. Do you understand that when you're young for a while, you think that that's how life goes. But it doesn't go that way forever. Sooner or later, you have to take some responsibility to think ahead and to plan. This is a skill of wisdom. And we'll begin in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Take out your pencil, your pen tonight, and underline some verses. Go to work with me in God's word. The first proverb I want to give us as we think about planning, as we think about thinking ahead, is from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Everybody read this verse together with me. You can read from the screen. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Well, that shoots our planning in the head, doesn't it? Don't brag about tomorrow. What does this verse mean? Somebody tell me. What's this verse warning against? Is it saying don't plan, don't think ahead because you don't know. Honestly, you don't know. You can do all of your planning. You can, you can sit down on your Blackberry. You can put your calendar from now till Jesus comes. But you don't know. You don't even know that you'll make it home from this worship service tonight. You don't know. So what is the wisdom in this verse? What does this tell us? Yeah, what do you think, Adrian? Adrian's right. This verse does not tell us not to think ahead. It does not tell us not to plan. It just tells us not to brag about our plans, not to brag. Let's go a little deeper. What does that mean? Not to brag. Jack, we are not in control. Let that sink in. You are not in control. It's a very, very important element of wisdom. You are not in control. Remember this morning we said the first choice to make is to put God first. That means you're not first. 
You're not first in your own life. You're not first in other people's lives. You shouldn't expect other people to make you first. You are not God. He's in control. You're not. Amy, yeah. We have to leave room for God. We have to recognize that no matter what we plan, God is in control. God is always the one in control. So go ahead, Luis. Yeah, and the book of James says that's how you're supposed to live. That's how you're supposed to talk. You're not supposed to say, hey, after this service, we're going to Zaxby's. I tell you, tomorrow, I'm going to mow the yard. I'm I'm going to plant the flowers. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to come home. We're going to have roast beef for supper. James says you can't talk like that. What should you say? If it pleases the Lord, we'll do this and that and such and such. But yeah, I really don't have that ability to say what I'm going to do. So what is my responsibility toward tomorrow? If I just sit back and do nothing, I I know it's out of my hands. God's in control, so I'll just let God have it. So does that mean I don't have to get up and go to work? Because if that's what that means, y'all tell me now before I set the alarm. What does it mean? What is my responsibility? Knowing that God is sovereign and God is in control, what's going to happen to my life and what's my responsibility in it? Jack, to be prepared for what God brings my way tomorrow. How do I prepare for what I don't know? Wow, yeah. Get to know God. Yeah, get to know God. God is not stingy with wisdom. Do you understand that? God is not trying to withhold information from you. If you ask, God will always give you enough wisdom, enough knowledge to know what your next step is. God does not leave us without guidance. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will direct thy paths. He will direct your path. You get to know God. God will show you, show you what you need to be doing today in order to be ready for tomorrow. But I bring you back to the fundamental question here. What's my responsibility? If God's will is going to happen anyway, then what does it matter what I do? What does it matter how I think? What does it matter how much I weigh? What does it matter whether or not I eat my fiber? What does it matter if I go to the doctor and get the colonoscopy? God can see inside there anyway. What does it matter what I do if God is going to get his way anyway? Wilma, were you going to say something? Always asking him to lead us. Absolutely. Yeah, Jack. It pleases God. Pleases God for us to be instruments, for us to put ourselves in his hand so that he can use us. It pleases God to work with us. It is absolutely true that I am not in control, that God is sovereign. But you've got to understand something. God gives us freedom and God gives us responsibility. And I would say that in my life of 45 years, there have been things God wanted for me that I did not get to enjoy because I was not faithful. Because I did not surrender. Because I did not put myself in the place where he could bless me to the uttermost. I am a sinner. I am wayward. I tend to be standing somewhere on the line when God would want me in the very center. And I am certain that I have missed out and that I have not reached my full potential in the Lord. Because I have not been faithful. I have not been responsible. So while God is in control, I am not in control. God has given me freedom and responsibility. And part of that freedom and responsibility entails that I recognize that I've got a kind of stewardship over tomorrow. I am not in control. But if I have tomorrow at all, if God lets me live another day, 
It's a gift. It's a gift from him. And I should be a steward of this gift. Tomorrow is a gift. And I want to make sure that whatever God has for me in my tomorrow and in every tomorrow afterwards, I want to make sure I ring out every single blessing God has for me. If God wants to use me, if God wants to teach me, if God wants me to suffer, if God wants me to to somehow excel, I want everything God has for me. I have to be a sort of steward of Tomorrow, honestly, I look at the teenagers and I just wish that somebody somehow, some way had gotten me when I was young and set my heart on fire for vision, set my heart on fire for the future. Honestly, like a lot of us, I just coasted through the first part of my life. I didn't dream big dreams. I didn't pray bold prayers. I just sort of took what life brought to me. I never imagined that God might have something ginormous for me. I never even bothered to dream big dreams or ask God what his dream was for my life. I just sort of followed and I followed, but I didn't follow courageously. I didn't follow by thinking ahead. I just sort of reacted to things as they came. You know, from your science class, there's the law of entropy. What does that say? The law of entropy. What does it mean? Everything, if it's left alone, it tends to what? It tends to break down. Have you ever seen a house out in the country? There'd be somebody living in it. And a house lived in, you can drive by from the road and tell somebody lives there. I don't know what it is. They may not even keep the yard. But I'm telling you, somebody lives in a place That place somehow lives. But the minute the family moves out or the minute the person dies and that house sits empty, what happens to that house? It just falls in. I can't really understand that. How a house just falls in on itself when there's nobody there. But your life is like that. You cannot leave your life unattended. You can't leave your spiritual life unattended. Yes, God is sovereign and yes, God is in control, but God gives you freedom and responsibility to serve him, to dream dreams, to find out what he has for you tomorrow. If you just go through your life without ever praying, without ever asking God what the next step is, if you never ever dream of what God has for you, your life is just going to slowly or maybe not so slowly break down. Your life is going down the tubes if you live unintentionally, unprayerfully. The fact that I don't know what happens tomorrow is not a negative thing. Actually, it's a wonderful thing. I'm not in control. That's not a negative thing. That's a wonderful thing. The God who is in control is a God for whom everything is possible. A God for whom everything is everything is possible. Which means that this God who holds tomorrow holds out real possibility for me. There are things that could happen in my life that I haven't even dreamt of. There are possibilities for you, for your family, possibilities for your future that have never entered your mind. And that's the exciting part. The God who holds tomorrow is a God for whom everything is possible. So it goes back to what we said this morning. Your first decision, your first choice is to give God control. Give all of your life to Him. Everything you know about yourself, everything that you desire, all of your dreams, you roll it over to God. Give it all to Him. Give Him full 
control. Absolute full control. You've got to surrender your motives. You've got to surrender your desires. Honestly, if my plans, if my vision, if my idea for my life is selfish, it would be much better for me and for the world if it never comes to pass. We must surrender all of these things to God. Turn back now to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. I warned you this morning that Proverbs has a thing about this. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Let's read this together. When you get to the words hard work, I want you to say them loud so everybody hears it. You ready? Proverbs 21, verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Read it again with feeling. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. It's very, very simple. God wants you to work hard. You don't earn your salvation by your works. I'm not saying that, but God puts you on this earth to do some work. He wants you to work hard. Your life matters. The purpose God has for you, it matters. God has given you breath in your lungs and strength in your bones so that you can get something done. And I promise you, it's not about watching Desperate Housewives. I promise you, it's not about 25,000 texts a month. It can't be about that. It can't be about how green and weed-free your yard can be. It just can't be about keeping your gray roots all covered up. Surely, surely your life is more important than that. Don't you want to believe that it is? Surely it's more important than just keeping the dust bunnies off the floor or making sure there's none of that yellow grime around your toilet. Surely there's more to life. God has put us here to work hard. And you show me a person who doesn't work hard. Show me a person who doesn't nearly get a speeding ticket on the way to work every day. And I'm probably showing you a person who's really not happy in their life. Work is important. It is not a bad thing. It is a blessing to be able to work and to be productive. Learn this while you're young. Learn to work. Learn to love work. You just got to love work. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. That's wisdom, brothers and sisters. You got to start with good planning. Now, I'm planning with humility. I know I'm not in control. And I don't want my selfish desires. I don't want my selfish plans. I don't want to dream little bitty dreams for myself and then ask God to bless them. I want God to set me on fire with a passion and a purpose for tomorrow. And I want God to lead me into tomorrow. And I want to pray. And I want to plan so very carefully and so very purposefully. I don't know about tomorrow, but God does. He does. And so I want to plan in conversation with him. I want to dream great big dreams way far out and then close. I want to strategize. I want to do this in conversation with God, knowing and praying that if I am off the path, he'll correct me. It's always with humility. It's always in surrender to him. But I have freedom and responsibility, and I don't want to miss anything God has for me. Good planning. You've got to think ahead. You don't get to choose your consequences once you've made your choices. 
But if you'll anticipate consequences now, what do you want to happen in your life? What do you hope happens in your life? How do you want God to bless you in your life? And then you position yourself now, position yourself today for what you're hoping God's going to do in your life tomorrow. You've seen those kids who say, I'm hoping to get a full scholarship to Duke. I'm hoping to get a full scholarship to Yale. Yeah, you ever had a kid like that? But this is the same kid who won't do her science homework. You know what I'm talking about? That person who, I'm going to lose 50 pounds by time of vacation. I'm going to go out in my Speedo. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Would you please pass the chocolate cake? It's strange, strange how what we say we want doesn't line up with our actions. The kind of tomorrow we envision we're not positioned for today. You really think God is going to take you to an Ivy League school with a full-ride scholarship? Listen to me. Listen to me, young friend. You better be combining good planning with hard work. You better be studying like your shirt's on fire. You understand? The consequences you're hoping for are determined by the choices you make today. You want to be losing weight? You want to be fit for speedo weather? Then let me tell you something, brother. You better just stay off the barbecue sandwich tonight. Do you understand? You better be careful about the choices you make. They have consequences. You don't get to choose the consequences once your choice is made. But good planning has to do with the choices I make today strategically to position myself for what I think God has for me tomorrow, what God wants for me. Good planning plus hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. We live in a shortcut. One of the prayers tonight, we all need patience. And I'm telling you, nobody has a lot of patience. We want instant things. We want things right away. We don't want to wait. We don't want to have to in any way uh, waste any time. We just feel like if we want it, it should come to us this moment. But wisdom, God's wisdom tells us that the most important things in life don't come quickly. There are no hasty shortcuts to what God has for you. One of the reasons that many of our lives are so stifled is because we always take the shortcuts and you never get to the destination God has for you if you don't walk every step of the journey. There are no shortcuts. One of my favorite stories about my dad is like 50 years ago, way before I would come along, but my dad was going to take some Alka-Seltzer. They still make Alka-Seltzer. Y'all know about Alka-Seltzer? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. You remember that? Yeah. About how big is an Alka-Seltzer? Have you seen one? Yeah, it's about the size of a half dollar and probably, oh, an eighth of an inch thick, something like that. Am I correct? And you usually take how many? Two. Now, now what's the idea? How do you take an Alka-Seltzer? You take two, plop, plop, and then fizz, fizz. What is fizz, fizz? This is the time that the Alka-Seltzer takes to dissolve in water. It takes time. You have to plop, plop, and then wait for fizz, fizz, But Don Harris, 50 years ago, in his youth, had no time for fizz fizz. So what do you think he did? He decided to swallow them like aspirin. I tell you, they're about the size of a half a dollar, and there are two. So my dad popped them in his mouth, took a drink of water, and swallowed. What happened? Two Alka-Seltzer hung right here. Right here. He took that first drink of water. They fizzed just a little and then stuck. So what did he have to do? Take another drink of water. Yeah. What did they do? They fizzled just a little bit and then dropped just a little bit. Yeah. 50 years later, he's still trying to get them down right there on this pew. He is still trying to get them down. There are no shortcuts. 
Hasty shortcuts will lead you to poverty. Hasty shortcuts will ruin your life. Sooner or later, you've just got to get serious with God and serious about his plan for you, serious enough to do some good planning and get to work. No shortcuts. If it's worth having, it's worth working for. If God is going to give it to you, it's probably not going to drop out of the sky gift wrap. God will give it to you at the end of a long, long journey of patient, faithful work. And it's a good thing. It's one of the ways God blesses us. Good planning plus hard work. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22. Just a couple more of these. They're so good. Proverbs 15, verse 22. This is some of our problem right here, and it goes back to our pride. Read it with me from the screen. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Wow. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. I'm encouraging you tonight to set goals, to make plans, to make good plans. Combine that with hard work. But I also want to implore you, to include others in that process. Include others. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. You don't have all of the wisdom. There are other people who have walked the same kind of path you're walking. Why don't you include them in your life? Include them in your planning. I said this morning that not all old people are wise, and that's true, but we are blessed in our lives, in this church, to have a, a, a big number of very, very wise senior Christians. We are so foolish not to listen to them. We are so foolish not to seek them out, find out what they would say. I'm telling you, wisdom comes by experience, and experience basically is defined in terms of mistakes, They've made mistakes. Everybody who lives any amount of time, we make mistakes. And if we gain wisdom, we're learning from our mistakes. So that means if you come and you seek me out and I can tell you about a time when, when I've made a mistake but I've learned, then you therefore learn from my mistake and maybe you can avoid making the same blunders I, I have made. Listen to people. You do not have to do this on your own. And God will never be able to take you as far as he would if you would include others in your life. Include others in your planning. Others bring extra wisdom. God will speak through others, through godly people who can instruct you. Listen to them. Listen to advice. They bring wisdom. They also bring a kind of accountability. And that's important. When I sit down with, with one of my brothers and say, listen, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I think God is saying to me. And then they add what they feel like God is saying to them. And together we come to a sense of what God has for me. Once I've shared that with that brother, every time I see him, what am I going to think of? What's he going to think of? Th that plan, th that vision, that thing that I said, this is what God has for me, including others, automatically brings accountability. That's probably why many of us keep all of our plans to ourselves, all of our dreams to ourselves, all of our deepest prayers to ourselves. Once we say it, once we speak it, we become accountable. But that's a good thing. Accountability is a good thing. Many of us are naturally lazy, not very self-controlled. And that's why we like to hide. That's why we don't like to stick our neck out. We don't want to make a fool of ourselves by saying one thing and never, ever acting on it. 
But if you include others, there's accountability built in. And therefore, you're more likely to take the next step, more likely to grow, more likely to listen to the voice of God. Include others, it brings accountability. But the most important thing, the best part, you include others and it brings celebration. It brings celebration. When other people know how you're struggling, when other people know what your plans are, what your dreams are, and then they see God bless you, they see that day come when what you've been dreaming of comes to fulfillment. In that moment, you have people who can celebrate with you because they've walked the journey with you. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. What's more, Proverbs chapter 16 Uh, Two more verses here. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. That should be your memory verse for the week. Commit your actions to the Lord. The Hebrew word there for commit is a really beautiful word. It simply means to roll, to roll. And so this verse is literally saying to roll your actions, roll your actions upon the Lord. Roll it over to him and your plans will succeed. Verse 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And then one more verse, last verse there, because of the one more. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. That's good news. That's good news. No matter what I plan, I know that God's plan for my life is bigger. God's plan for my life is better. God's plan for my life is more rich in blessings. I want his plan to prevail and not mine. Never mine. That doesn't mean I don't very prayerfully try to plan and and try to think very, very carefully and intentionally how I can position myself for what God wants to do in my life. But at the same time, I know my ability to see and understand his will is very small. His ability to bless my life, very, very large. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will just wrapping up, I, I want to give you a, a little bit of homework tonight. Take out a pencil, a, a pen. Write down some questions. And in your prayer time this week, I want you to think about some things. Wisdom leads us, leads us to think about our purposes or to bring our purposes into alignment with God's larger purposes. This is the skill, the planning skill that wisdom brings. We want to bring our plans into alignment with God's purposes. So a couple of questions to get you thinking this week. Number one, what do you want people to say at your funeral? What do you want people to say at your funeral? I want you to think about this as you make your plans. As pastor, there have been several times in, in 15 years when I'll be talking about a funeral with, with, with a family. There's one guy in particular who lost his dad. He doesn't attend our church. But as we were talking about the funeral, I said, how would you like your father remembered? What would you like me to say? How would you like us to honor him? And this guy said, I don't know, you knew him as well as I did. The son said, you knew him as well as I did. And he meant that. And you should understand, I had never laid eyes on this man's father. Do you understand that some of you could be very, very close to that kind of memory? Your own family would say, "Uh, Brother Tim, you probably knew him as well as we did. Do you understand how that gets that way? How that man gets to the place where those are the consequences of his life? The choices you make this week about how you relate to your spouse, how you relate to your family, there are consequences to that. Consider what you want people to say at your funeral. Think about this one. How do you want to be seen in 10 years 
How do you want your life to look in 10 years? Today at the lunch table, I said to Casey, Wade's sitting there, but you know how parents, we talk about our kid like he's not there. And I said, Casey, you realize in about seven years, probably Wade could get married. It made her so mad. She got mad. It caused an argument. It, it made her mad. I said, seriously, honey, we've lived in this house 10 years. In less time than we've been living here, Wade could bring a girl home and marry her. You understand how small a sort of time 10 years is? Really, how brief an amount of time you have with kids at home? How do you want your life to be seen in 10 years? Ask yourself this question. What do you want to be good at or known for? What do you want to be good at? What does God want you to excel in? What do you want to be known for? When people think of you in years to come, what words should come to mind? What deeds, what kind of testimony will you leave? Here's a good one. What kind of personality do you want to have? Some of us think personality is a given. You're just born this way and, and God can't help you. I'm telling you, you can change. We're all praying that you will. You can change. Your personality is not set. You can become kinder. You can become more patient, more loving, more forgiving, more joyful, more thankful. Your personality is still forming. You are not finished. You're not set in stone. Your personality is still developing. What kind of personality do you want to have? Begin planning. Begin changing. Ask God to make you a different kind of person, a different man, a different woman. One more for those of you who are married with family. What do you want your family life to look like? What do you want your family life to look like? Maybe family with memories about eating supper around the table. Guess what? You're going to have, somebody's going to have to make supper this week. Somebody's got to do some hard work. Somebody's got to work to make the family what you want it to be, what God wants it to be. These things don't happen accidentally. It takes good planning and hard work. But this is the way of wisdom. Pray that your own plans can come into alignment with God's purposes that you can uh, understand and recognize his greatest blessings.